0: This is Fathering Episode 4 with Lauren George. Well, Lauren, it's great to have you on the podcast. So glad you could come up today. It's great to be here. (laughs) Um, So you have an absolutely incredible story as a father. And uh, I say incredible because we know how it ends. It wasn't incredible while you were going through it. Uh, Far (laughs) from that. But God moved, he restored your family, your relationship with your daughter, Chelsea. And I just want to encourage dads out there with your story today. Uh, You raised your daughter up in the church. Yes, we, uh, from infancy to
1: teenage years, she was in a Pentecostal church. And then we went to a more traditional type church. But, yeah, she was pretty much raised in the church, yes.
0: Yeah, and then she also went to a Christian school as well for a little while? For a short period of time, and
1: she also went on a mission trip. I've been on eight or nine mission trips to Guatemala, and she went one year with me, yes.
0: Mm. Now, on paper, it, it would seem that you did everything right. You shared her story with me. You You emailed it to me. Right. And it, you set her up for success, but things happened and it, and it kind of fell apart. What, what exactly happened?
1: When I look back on it, like, and like I said, it's been over. She's been clean and sober and doing great for over eight years. I look at the time frame when she became a teenager to be able to drive. That mm-hmm. was a huge change, a shift. I can still remember the first day of her backing out the driveway, <laughs> and that was a life-changing event because she had freedom, and freedom to be influenced by negative influences. And she began dating young teenage guys, guys a little bit older, <clears throat> that were into the drugs and alcohol. And mm. my life and my wife's life, we both had periods in our life where we were involved in drugs and alcohol, and we really thought it was just a phase. Mm. But we had never been involved in opioids and Chelsea eventually got addicted to opioids through just casual parties. She told me one time, she says, you do it one time to experiment, and the next thing you know, you're doing it every weekend, and the next thing you know, you can't get out of bed because you need it. Wow. And it it just took a hold of her life pretty quickly. And we didn't see it for a long time. We found marijuana and some alcohol and thought, well, this is a phase, and we would talk to her about it. I remember the conversations, it was never her doing it. It was always other people doing it. <laughs> and it was a, a slow, gradual fade into darkness with her. Gangster-type rap music was a huge influence in her life. And we tried to steer her away from that, and it just got worse and worse. And it, I believe that was one of the factors that really drew her into the darkness, was yeah. that type of influence.
0: It It sounds like the well, now that you don't want me to do it, I'm going to do it even more. Was it kind of that story?
1: Yeah, and we began to, as she got summer jobs, and I say in the story that we kind of lost track of her and lost track of ourselves. You know, our, our only daughter was growing up working, so we had this free time and bought a camper and we three hours away every weekend. And we began to grow apart and lose sight of what was actually happening in our life. And I think it was my wife that, through phone calls with her on numerous weekends, began to put the pieces together that she
0: was doing drugs. Wow. Was that when she was in, in high school that you guys were, were going away on camping trips? Uh, it was It was in high school, and then uh, she was
1: she was uh, enrolled in college for criminal justice of all things <laughs> and uh, Felt like she was being pushed by us to do that. She didn't want to do that, but mm. she felt like she was being pushed into college. So those teenage years rolled into the the bad influences and in the drugs, and it just became more and more intense. And we lost more and more control as she became more and more addicted. Her life up until that point was picture perfect: Christian child, Christian home, you know, doing everything the right way, sports, Barbazon won numerous beauty pageants. She was on the fast track to being very successful, taking singing lessons, singing at pageants. The next thing you know, she can't talk and she's laying on the couch for days on end in the same clothes and unbathed and addicted to drugs.
0: Mm-hmm. You started to lose track of her and and it seemed like there was a lot of back and forth, like you you'd you'd get some headway and then it would kind of fall apart again. Uh, she was in and out of some different rehab programs, right? Several rehabs. Yes. They call it the pink cloud
1: where you think your, your addict is doing well, where 10, 20, 30 days they're clean and then they relapse Mm. and then it starts to cycle all over again, time after time after time. And then we finally took her to, uh, Florida and that's where the story really turns to the dark side. Mm. Uh, spent thousands of dollars setting her up in the rehab rehab capital of the united states which is delray beach florida and she lasted 28 days before she relapsed again and ended up on the streets for six to eight months on the streets of florida i remember the phone call she called and we were sitting in the living room she called and says i've been kicked out of the rehab and i said we're done mm. we can no longer do this it was killing us gosh and I said, "You're on your own. You have to figure it out." So she said, "I have no money and have nothing but a bag, garbage bag of clothes." I said, "You're gonna have to figure it out." And that rips my
0: my guts out. Even talking about it now, eight years later, that's how bad it was. Looking back on it, is that do you think you would say the same thing again? I think when you have someone in addiction you try and try and try and throw money
1: at it and, and throw everything you have at it. And at some point, you know, the saying, the tough
0: love, you have to yeah. experience and put tough love into action. Mm. Yeah. And so when you had to pull out the tough love and, and let her go, what happened after that? Well, we started taking care of
1: ourselves. We joined a Arnon group, which we ended up co co leading co hosting for over five years That's Narcotics Anonymous, right? And uh, it's for the family. The Naranon is for the family of the addicts. And it's about taking care of yourself, letting the addict go and taking care of yourself, which was a huge, huge – it saved our lives. Huge group, many people in the same situation at that time with opioids. Mm. And meanwhile, we would hear from my daughter occasionally, normally on the weekends, sometimes in the middle of the night, always a different phone number. Mm. And it was about that time that we, I started calling radio stations and churches and friends all across the country and saying, please pray. Hundred, literally hundreds of people praying, uh, a men's group that was influential in, in helping me through all this, breakfast men's group on Fridays in Millsboro. Uh, everyone was praying, and eventually, uh, through a lot of internet searching and a lot of phone calls, A lot of tracking her on the streets of Florida. I got a call that she was in jail, and I found her on the Internet. And she, this beautiful young woman, had been arrested for prostitution. And if that doesn't rip your heart out, nothing will. The picture of her on the Internet was insane uh, compared to what she had looked like before. But we flew down, and uh, flew down on September 11th. There was about six or eight people on the plane
0: mm.
1: and rented a car, went to a hotel, and we were at the court that morning with the arresting officers, and she was addicted to crack at this point, point. and she didn't know we were coming. She had been uh, beaten up. She had a swollen eye. She was in her jumpsuit, uh, didn't know we were there, and she came out in front of the judge, looked over at us, not knowing what was going on. And it's interesting, this judge was only there for two weeks. And he told her that she was going to Tennessee to a U-Turn for Christ program, that we were going to take her there for 10 months. And if she left, she was going to come back to Florida for three years. So the story kind of goes on where she was only uh, one of two women that graduated from that program. Wow. One of the uh, uh, arresting officers – killed himself. The judge was only there for two weeks, temporary judge. The leader of the group at uh, U-Turn, she died. So all these different things happened throughout the course of this 10 months. West Palm Beach started a similar program for drug addicts like U-Turn as a result of my daughter's success. Wow. And she contracted MRSA, and almost died in a hospital while she was there. But she prevailed, and, and God answered all of these you know, hundreds of prayers daily, weekly. She graduated, and she said, I'm, I'm coming home. We said, no, you're not. Oh. <laughs> no, you're not. You need to stay down there and get established. So she got an apartment and a job and a couple jobs, and uh, eight years later she owns 37 acres building a log cabin and is a sales director for— several radio stations and has three kids.
0: (laughs) That's a (laughs) U-turn.
1: Yeah, definitely a (laughs) U-turn. Looking back through that, and it's been, like I said, nearly eight years. Like I was telling you earlier, you can't do it by yourself. A father can't do it by himself. I kept praying, God, send someone to rescue her. Hmm. And I really felt that he spoke to my heart and said, it's you that has to go rescue her. And that's what we did. You have to have family involved church family involved men's groups you know ladies groups whatever
0: supporting you while you're trying to live through that Hmm. and it's tough you said that prayer is really really important Uh, what did it look like to to set that up you know and what were you praying specifically what were you asking for
1: i was really praying that someone would rescue her Mm -hmm. and in that time frame that eight months and it's Sounds bizarre, but I got a call from a guy that said, uh, I know I have your daughter. She's living with me on a boat in Miami. And I said, who is this? And he gave me his name. I don't even remember his name now. I said, where are you from? And he said, I'm from Jerusalem, and I'm a messenger. I said, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> he said, I'm, a, I'm just a messenger. He says, I have your daughter. She's doing okay. And... That's all I can tell you. Wow. Shortly after that, we hired an interventionist from New York City to go down to Florida and find her, trying to talk her into going into a rehab, but she wouldn't go. Uh, we tried multiple times. She was in and out of rehabs down there too. Addicts will go into a rehab just to kind of to relax, to bathe and eat, and then they're out again. And she wow. did that multiple times while she was down there. Wow. Yeah.
0: What's it? I mean, what's it look like to, to to handle that? Like, I mean, I guess you couldn't really trust a lot of the things that she was saying at that time. The saying is, if an addict
1: is talking, they're lying. Mm. So we just prayed, and my when things really began to happen. When my and my wife will tell you, when she prayed, uh, God, you take her. I can't take it anymore, and that's when things started to happen. And it was good that she got arrested she got into the system and we found her that way if not you know who knows we had calls in the middle of the night one night she said i'm kidnapped and they won't let me go that she had some drug dealers hold holding her for days on end wouldn't let her go she has seen people get killed right in front of her mm. she carried razor blades uh stay up all night sleep all day live in abandoned houses and i woke up several times crying out in the middle of the night, just out of a dead sleep, not knowing what was going on. Mm -hmm. But when we, when people started praying and these men gathered around me every week and prayed, things really began to take a turn for the better.
0: That's great. So, um, if someone is kind of seeing maybe these patterns in their own kids right now, like would you have at the beginning, would you have done anything differently?
1: Yeah, I think the communication should have been more, and we should have intervened more at an earlier stage when we thought it was just a phase. Yeah. Uh, You know, if your kid's smoking or smoking pot or drinking, uh, it can lead to so much more. Mm -hmm. And at that period of time, the the opioid pills were everywhere, and there were so many people. I don't know how it is now. Uh, Heroin kind of came in and took over for that. But I think communication is a key, and involvement, where we kind of disconnected when she got her summer jobs. We sh- in hindsight, we should have stayed more connected. Yeah. But you have to let your child grow up. Right. You know? And she, she knew about drugs. But like she said, you know, one time you do it to experiment, the next time you do it, and then before you know it, you're doing it all the time. Mm-hmm. That's addiction.
0: I think it's really interesting and, and honest that you brought up that, that you had a you had drug use when you were younger. I mean, praise God that it was just a, a phase for you. What did you know that that other dads who, who didn't have that experience like were there things that you could that you noticed right away because you had
1: Oh yeah, I mean you you know, they become secretive. Uh I mean, I would go through her car all the time to see what was in it and find, you know, find marijuana and empty bottles and such. Uh, and I guess there should have been, in, again, in hindsight, more, more communication, more intervention at that point. Yeah. You know, it kind of unraveled after that. Mm. Uh, so I would say, stay involved, stay proactive. You may you may feel like you're micromanaging, but you need to save their lives basically because we've had seven or eight friends in our group that who have lost children Mm. to drugs so we're just one of the blessed ones that she didn't die we waited for that phone call many a weekend we waited for that phone call Mm. i mean it nearly destroyed us you know
0: yeah but stay involved In, in your eyes what would you say it looks like to forgive your kids because it seems like you've you've gone through a lot of hurt on, on coming from her over over those years, uh, and and now you guys have a good relationship. Right. You know what does it look like to to put those choices she made in the past? I would say we hated the addict,
1: we hated the addiction, but we always loved her. Mm. Uh, and when she was an addict, you just You're fighting for survival and you're trying to save her life. And I told her that one time on the phone when she was in Miami. I said, I'm just trying to save your life. She said, I'm not ready. They don't care.
0: Mm.
1: So you just keep on keeping on. You know, get support for yourself uh, and just pray. Yeah. You know, but, and a lot of families did that and they lost their kids. You know, a lot of these people that I know did the same thing. How do you explain it? You know, it's God's will, I guess. You know, yeah, it's all in the plan for their life.
0: Like when when it gets to that point, it's completely out of your control. Completely, yeah. All you can
1: do is cry out in prayer and take care of yourself. That was the big thing in Naranon: take care of yourself, because it was out to destroy us also, and it could very easily destroy us. But some of the people that I know that lost kids. After their time of mourning, because it's constant mourning for the rest of their lives, but after the initial, they got involved in helping other addicts mm-hmm. and and helping other
0: people and reaching out. How did y- your relationship with your wife play into into this experience? Did it did it get stronger? Was it was it hard at times? Well, of course, it was hard at times. <laughs> <laughs> we spent. I
1: remember driving home from the from the meetings weekly meetings, and we would it like we had seen a train wreck mm-hmm. we wouldn't talk the whole time but going there talking about it drew us closer together and made it stronger made us stronger where it was trying to tear us apart mm-hmm. so if you're having an an issue like that i think i highly recommend talking to whoever you can talk to about it joining groups and you know pastors or and and getting it out and talking about it
0: would you say a group is would be Probably a better choice than just like personal therapy. I I mean, I did both. Yeah. I would tell everybody that I, you know, you go
1: through phases where you're shamed. You don't want anybody to know. Somebody asks about your daughter, you change the subject to the point where you tell them what's going on and you ask them to pray, Mm. you know, and you go, you talk to whoever will listen to you because you need to get it out of your head.
0: Yeah. That's that right. There's a huge jump in faith that like you had to get to a certain point where you said okay I can't hold this to me anymore I've got to <laughs> yeah <laughs> got well to reach my out. my wife and I both had for
1: over a year serious stomach issues hmm. from anxiety and worry and uh I think talking it out and telling people about it and asking for prayer all that together in combination and people supporting us Hmm. Uh, made the difference in our lives and her life, you know, it saved us, you know?
0: (laughs) Yeah. So how, how many years has Chelsea been sober at this point?
1: Uh, I believe it's a little over eight years now. Okay. Yeah.
0: Is it, I, I feel like in the most basic situations all the way up to something like opiates or, or cocaine, like once you've had an addiction, it kind of stays with you your whole life. Like it, like the temptations always, something you carry with you she's a totally t- changed person she's been in a, the same church
1: for over eight years the church that she went to when she was in u-turn with the group is the church that her and her family attend now and she she's told me if i would tell somebody in my church my story they would wouldn't even believe her. <laughs> they wouldn't even believe her wow because she is so different hmm. Yeah, and so strong and very very uh very very strong faith. She knows what she's been through, you know. Yeah. And who who got her out of it. I'm sitting here thinking I feel like I really haven't to try to encourage somebody to a father who may be going through this. I would say you can't do it alone. As much as your child may think you're, you know, a superman, you need support. You need a men's group, you need your pastor, you need people praying. You need your family, uh, you can't do it alone because it'll kill you. <laughs> mm. you know it'll it'll drag you down uh, and that that would be my thing is just to if you're in that situation and you think something's going on with your kids, intervene because it's their life. yeah you know in this day and age with these drugs that are out there and the bad influences in every direction, you need to stay connected and I think that's where we kind of dropped the ball like I said as she got older and started working things started happening and we we were kind of unplugged for a while so you need to stay plugged into what's going on in your kid's life it's for their
0: benefit you know yeah Yeah, I almost feel like you you probably have to get over some sort of pride in yourself that like oh I might mess up the relationship or I might I might screw it up if I say something, but but her life's on the line if I don't say anything. It is,
1: especially with all the, the negativity that's out there, you know, the bad influences. Mm-hmm. I mean, any day, any given direction,
0: you know, to stay positive and stay focused, it's tough. Were there any Bible verses that, like, you... <laughs> maybe you have them memorized because <laughs> you were reading them over and over again or, or verses that just really... Well, the one that,
1: that was her... Bible verse in U-turn for ten months was Jeremiah twenty nine eleven through fourteen, where the word says, "I know the plans I
0: have for you," declares the Lord. That we would say that and read that a lot. Uh, What's well, yeah, and that's Jeremiah twenty nine eleven is is a famous verse, right. and I never honestly even thought to read past it. <laughs> and that's an incredible verse. Could you read it for us? Sure. For I know the plans I
1: have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. And something else that happened when she was in the rehab on a daily basis I would send her a card. Hmm. I would send her a letter of encouragement. And she later told me and wrote me a letter and said how much that meant to her and you know that we, we flooded her with mail, but I would I would write down thoughts or scriptures and send them to her daily.
0: Hmm.
1: You know and, I, and to this day now she prays for each one of her children over them every morning before they get out of the van and go to school. So mm. that that's important.
0: Yeah. You're making me want to do that. <laughs> way <laughs> at the beginning. Like I I think that's a common theme is is speaking words of affirmation over your kids and yes. making sure they know. Yes. that that you love them. Yes. That's cool.
1: But they can go down that right road and take that one wrong turn and
0: that's where you need to be standing. Mm. Lauren, thank you for Being here on the podcast today, uh, it's just such an encouragement to hear uh, of how your daughter was in this, in this life of darkness and how through so much prayer, a lot of tears and a lot of effort, she was brought out of that lifestyle. And uh, I I know there are some dads listening today who who might be at the beginning of it or in the middle of it. And uh, could you just pray for, for the dads listening today?
1: Sure. And I I want to thank you guys for the opportunity to be here and just encourage the the parents and the fathers especially to to just stay connected. Uh, We just ask you Lord that you would give these fathers who may be struggling with this same situation or similar situation that my wife and I went through with our daughter Lord that you would just speak to their heart and and encamp around them friends and family and support that they can trust and that they can Speak it out, Lord, and just encourage them and motivate them to pray and to ask for prayer. Lord, just have your hands upon their children and just comfort their hearts, Lord, and it's a, it's a terrible situation to be in, and we can't do it alone. You can't do it alone as a father or a mother. It takes a whole group of people with support and prayer and just lifting them up and, and praying that God will have mercy on their souls. I just pray for encouragement and if any fathers out there would want to reach out to me i'm sure they can get my information and do that and uh, i just lift this up in christ's name i pray amen amen
0: how old's your daughter year and a half year and a half so <laughs> start praying buddy <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining us for this episode of Fathering with Lauren George. If you have a question for Lauren, send me an email at mark at and I'll make sure he gets it. Remember, don't just keep your kids alive, but help them thrive. And We'll see you next time on Fathering.